Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain the leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years' experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. In Hawaii, because we're so multi-ethnic and, and really multicultural, that, you know, you, people, people in Hawaii talk about the mainland as the United States. Hawaii has its own music industry, its own publishing industry, its own pretty much everything industry. And then in Hawaii, you've got uh, people in different cultural groups. And, you know, they come to church. We were always, we worked hard to be a multi-ethnic and multicultural church. In fact, one of the things that I would do is, is stand in the back. And if I saw a lot of black hair, then, you know, predominantly black hair. I know we're doing what we're supposed to do in Hawaii. If I see too much blonde and brown hair, then what we're, we're, we're not recruiting people to our band because whoever is up front is going to influence who feels comfortable in the church. That's right. And if the, if the bands are mostly local people, then the people who are sitting in the, in the chairs are going to be mostly local people. But if the bands are all uh, transplants from America, uh, the people in the chairs are going to be transplants from America. It's just what you're going to get. And, and it's more complicated because I'm a white person from America. And so um, what, we, what we learned is the Hawaiian people were taught, you don't talk right by their parents and by the school. You got to talk like King's English. They talk pidgin. It's, it's, it, it's their culture. And, you know, we had a, a, a confrontation one time. One of the guys was going off about, I wish I could talk like Pastor Ralph. And, and one of the other staff members first offended him and then it really supported him. He goes, you want to sound stupid all your life? And, and a guy got off <laughs> ready to fight. And he goes, if you want to sound stupid, try to talk like Pastor Ralph. If you want to sound smart, talk like, and he named his name. And then he said, and the last time that, that, that I heard him speak, he spoke pidgin English. So if you want to sound smart, talk pidgin English because that's you. And so we're dealing with this balance thing all, all of the time. And it was just, um, it, it, if we would recruit people, we would get the locals. Because if you're Japanese, you're taught you don't volunteer for anything because you're acting prideful, like you're the best. If you're Hawaiian, you're taught, or Samoan, you don't talk right, so you don't volunteer. And so we, we would just, we learn we can manage who's in our church and, and how, how well we're doing with these people. But then we struck on Alpha. And here's Nikki, who speaks with this British accent. And he doesn't talk like any of us. And it was, it was, it was amazing because everybody could come together around this guy with this weird British accent. And they loved it. And then we have guys coming out and, and trying to talk like Nikki, just, just because they loved the guy. And it was a pretty amazing thing. I, we, we were so blessed by Alpha and what it did for us.
just another little insight about the multicultural thing. The times I've been out to churches when I'm away from our church, away from home, if I look around and it's a multicultural setting, it's about a 95% chance I'm sitting in a church that's either charismatic or Pentecostal. They're thinking about Holy Spirit stuff, which can create a Pentecost Acts 2 kind of thing. The more academic or the more structured a church is, the more monocultural it tends to be. I, I just find that fascinating. I, I, I've almost never been in a multicultural church that wasn't at least partially charismatic. There, there's something about the Holy Spirit that just biblically even just brings people together that kind of takes away that Tower of Babel curse. Yeah. That uh, there's a common ground. There's something about the Holy Spirit is non-cultural. Mm -hmm. And I think that was kind of crossed with some of the Alpha stuff too, because they're Holy Spirit people. So it's uh, not just the language, but the there's something transcultural about spiritual experience that gets you down to that human thing and the more rigid a, a church structure denominational structure is the more it tends to be monocultural the more hierarchical a structure is the more it tends to be monocultural because that tends to form that way yeah plus the more the more structured it is the more it tends to exclude women um women have gifts and you get these these big hierarchies and men, men form hierarchies in two seconds. If there's no women around, uh, we form football depth charts, military platoons, officers, ranks, all this stuff. We, we just go there. Mm -hmm. And if we, form a, if we form a denomination around that hierarchical, you know, lots of supervisors and bishops and archbishops and all this kind of stuff, um, we say, oh, we're open to women and uh, using their gifts. But that, that, that's not their structure uh, mm -hmm. in general. I think it tends to keep some of the giftedness that some women have. It's like some women, women have led whole nations to Christ. And so you, especially on the mission field where there's less structure. Yeah. So you see some of that. Yeah. I had a, a confrontation with a really good friend over this issue. <coughs> I had told a story of a woman in, in China who she actually was in the United States. She's Chinese. And uh, in, a, in one of the very large cities in China, and it's not good for me to even name it, but she taught in a major university. She, she's a, a biogeneticist and she taught here in a major university. Her husband's an investment banker. She started a church. And I, I met with 13 of her people, all of whom were in the process of planting microchurches and autonomous microchurches. The church only has 125 people in it. Almost all of them are stockbrokers or investment bankers. I mean, really smart people. And um, and actually, we did an, a seminar in China with them. And then because of the politics in China, we had to do the next seminar in Tokyo for these guys. And they all came on their own dime. They were wealthy people, and they're, they're reaching people that most Chinese churches are not reaching. And I had just told the story and my friend got all mad at me because he doesn't think that women should be pastors. And I was promoting women as pastors. And I wasn't, I, I just told a story about somebody planning churches that I thought was a cool story. But, but in, in the conversation, I go, well, you know what? The, the church in, in Korea and in Japan wouldn't exist if there weren't women pastors. In Korea, it's, it's been built on the backs of women pastors. In Japan, they never plan for retirement 
And so if a guy dies, his wife carries the church until somebody else can carry it. And, and my friend goes, I don't believe that. I, God would have found another way. And it was like, do you, did you hear what you were saying? This is the way God found. <laughs> this, is, this is what's gone on. <laughs> And, and we taught the revivals in Korea, and you know, in 1960, the more Christian per capita in Korea than anywhere on the planet, and uh, and and now that's shifted to Africa, and there you have women pastors. This is what the Holy Spirit seems to be doing. Can't we bless God for what He's done, rather than to create an argument that wants to straitjacket Him and cut out 50% of the population from doing any ministry? Oh, yeah, and anybody who turns to apostle paul into a legalist isn't reading paul it's just you, you can't do that he wasn't creating a new torah we're going to sake. i mean he was he was talking about moving from the torah to life in the spirit i mean that's the whole theme of romans the whole theme of galatians the whole deal he's trying to create a multicultural situation where you don't have to become a jew first to become a christian that was a big deal by the way he yeah. got called into the home office for it <laughs> so there's a a big step, and uh, he was creating these experiences uh, or these communities around an experience of Jesus through the Holy Spirit by laying out of hands of the messy conversions and everything else. And uh, to create a legalist uh, out of Paul, just it's, there's no way to do that. He, well, he was then, never seen that. And then he he mentions all these women prophesying and speaking and teaching and talking yeah. in church, and then yeah. we take one verse of scripture or two. And we throw all the women out, and we ignore all the stuff yeah. that Paul said about the women doing stuff. And those verses have been translated so badly, though. The one in First Timothy, First Timothy two, is just horrifically translated. In the original Greek, it says, "Now women teaching, don't throttle the men." And the word is literally in Greek, "Don't uh, kill with bare hands," and stay in step in a military sense, stay in step together with men. Uh, basically, for women, women, the best translation is when women teach, don't emasculate the men and stay in step with the men. Because in Ephesus, there was this huge cult of Diana slash Artemis, and all the women were in charge. When they joined the church, they assumed they were in charge, and they would, uh, they would put the men down. And so he's saying, no, don't do that. And we translate it in such a way that makes it impossible for women to teach, which on my best day, Ralph, on my best day, I will never teach Bible as well as Beth Moore. It's not going to happen. I, I don't have, I can't do it. <laughs> I don't have that gifting like that. Um, there, there's women who can teach circles around me. And to say that they can't use that gifting in the church, it's absurd. It's it's absolutely absurd. So it's it's a matter of gifting. That's just a whole other thing. But that's super important for church planting because church planting has to be entrepreneurial, has to be non-legalistic in its structure. You've got to be able to say, okay, um, with Titus, he set up elders. With Paul, he set up overseers and deacons. It, it was different in different places. You, you had to adapt. When you had a church of five, you can't have three committees. You know, you, <laughs> you have to adjust to the situation. And so the idea that you need this one structure or even ordination is just Nothing wrong with ordination, but there's there's no ordained people in the New Testament. The yeah. idea that lay people can serve communion or or start a church is crazy. At ordo, ordo is a Latin word that came later. Ordination means entering an order where you have chastity, obedience, and poverty, which isn't in the New Testament either. You know, you just look at that and think, what? Where does that come from? You you have to be. This is where 
church planting often runs afoul of denominational stuff is the denominations will say, you know, you can't do it this way. Yeah. yeah. I had a guy so tell they, me that you can't have micro church because it's not large enough to have an elder board. Was yeah. like, <laughs> are you out of your mind? Uh, what, 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 you know, one of the things that I love is in uh, Acts 14, where, where Paul is stoned, left for dead. And then, you know, they thought they killed him or they wouldn't have walked away. And then it says that the disciples gathered around him. Doesn't say they prayed, but I believe they did. And then they snuck back into all the cities, the towns, five towns or whatever, where they had been and, and turned these disciples into elders and then entrusted them to the Holy Spirit, which means that they yeah. became churches. That is this the word elder means a shepherd, a pastor. And and then they go away and, and they don't have the internet, they don't have email, they don't have cell phones, they can't communicate with these people. They are really trusting the Holy Spirit. And we don't. And it's it's just uh, insane the way that we 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 put these non-biblical restrictions on what the Holy Spirit's trying to do in our churches. Oh yeah, it, 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 it just kills, it kills evangelism, it kills church planting, it kills mission work, and it's very, very unfortunate. Uh, you get people in, in non-charismatic churches or anti-charismatic churches, uh, they'll go off to the mission field and have these experiences that they're not supposed to have, <laughs> and then they come back and they have to pretend like they haven't had them, and it's just because of their denominational rules. Yeah. This, this happens all the time. So um, you just made a statement a couple of minutes ago, and I, I want you to qualify it a little bit. You, you said that, that I, I, I think I got it a little bit wrong, but you said basically, as long as you live, you'll never be as good a Bible teacher as Beth Moore. Um, you, you, you are a Fulbright scholar, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I might have studied more Bible. I'm, talk, I'm just talking pure. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. No, talk, I want you. I, I want you. I, I just, I just read a thing. Somebody really dissing on Beth Moore, and I, I'm, I'm hoping we can get this into the video, or the audio here. Um, they said the mistake Beth Moore made was she didn't realize that we, and I think she, the guy was talking about Southern Baptists, that we are going to continue to be who we really are, and you know she should have never stepped over the line and you know all this but here's a fulbright scholar saying uh i i know a whole lot more bible than that lady but she's a better teacher than me uh, is that correct absolutely she's got an anointing on her I mean, you just look at her ability to communicate her communication skills are just off the charts so are joyce myers i i get up and i i see her teaching i ran into her at a diner in los angeles by accident and there she was i've never met her before i said you're joyce meyer and i'm sure she hates people saying that because she's trying to have lunch and her husband was getting a little defensive uh, who is this guy and uh, at the time i was in the lutheran denomination i said uh, i said well i'm a lutheran pastor i'm here for a conference at jack hayford's church it was a church on the way and uh, I've been hanging out with Forest Square since the 90s and really have enjoyed that. But anyways, uh, and so I got to meet you. But uh, um, I, she says, I'm a Lutheran. And I said, you mean an ex-Lutheran? She said, no, I'm a Lutheran. They just wouldn't let me teach my denomination. And I just thought, here's <laughs> what to, to let talent like that go. Yeah. I just thought over a, a doctrinal thing. Yeah. 
what what <laughs> thinking <laughs> if 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 I had a teacher like that come up in my church I would celebrate that till yeah. as much as I could yeah. so you think you would showcase that but no she says I'm not an ex-Lutheran I'm a Lutheran I preach on grace all the time she says but they wouldn't let me keep teaching in my church yeah <laughs> well it's not just the big church that's a big passion of mine Ralph I the idea that you have to be a big resource rich church to um, plant churches is just wrong. Uh, uh, I'm in a uh, pretty much an overgrown micro church, but it's super, super muscular, wonderful church. And the reason I like that is I like to know all my people. I just, I'm not saying it's better than big churches. I just, I'm wired that way. I'm wired relationally with my people. And I'm also very multivocational. I, I work at the at Concordia University in Irvine. I help get an engineering school started there, and now I'm working on computer science stuff. And I also help translate the the passion translation. So I do a lot of other things. I've always been multivocational, kind of like you with your car stuff. Uh, and it's been really um, helpful for me to have feet doing other things. So I've, to maintain that, I've always had a smaller church, at least the last couple of decades, and. I just really believe that smaller churches can plant churches yeah. and it's happening. Yeah. And the idea you have to leave that to the big churches, um, small churches produce lots more missionaries than big churches, for instance, there's, that's been true for generations. So for all you small church pastors out there, um, there's huge things you can do for the kingdom. And the idea that you just have to survive and struggle and, and uh, live in the shadow of some mega church just isn't true. You can do great things. Ralph, uh, you're you're one of my heroes. I, I say that to everybody. You've done great work and uh, pretty much read everything you've ever written. So keep writing. Oh, I'm trying. <laughs> so. I got three books in the hopper that I just can't get going on any of them. And I decided actually this afternoon, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to go with one of these and and, and go forward and finish it. So well, as you know, it's harder. Harder than it used to be to write books because uh, the finances aren't there for writing books like they used to be. My my book sales are going up and my revenue is going down, and so it's hard to justify the time sometimes. Well, my book sales are my book sales are going going. I'm uh, just not writing so much, but my revenue has gone up. And here's what's happened. And this I'm going to try and put this into this episode, but I I was working with a a legacy publisher. And I wrote, I don't know, seven books with those people. And I, I get about $300 a year in royalties from those people. So then I started writing books and, and publishing them through Amazon. In fact, I even wrote a book on how to write and publish through Amazon. And I get a, about $1,000 a year out of these few little books that I publish from Amazon because they give you a 70% royalty for one thing. But, you know, when I was planting churches most of my life it was during the era the rise of this of the seeker driven thing um i i was kind of discipled by bob Schuler, robert Schuler of crystal cathedral and every year i'd go and speak at their conference and there were at the same time almost exactly there was this young church planter named bill hybels who was was speaking at those conferences and um he was going one direction i was going in another Schuler got mad at me. Uh, you know, after I moved to Hawaii, he I could he he cut me off, and then later on invited me back. And I go, 
and, he, and, and he goes, you know, more, I was mad at you for a long time. I go, why are you mad at me? And he goes, well, I believe in long pastorates. You know that? And I go, yeah, so do I. And uh, he goes, well, I was here in Hope Chapel here and Hope Chapel there and Hope Chapel over there. And I just thought you were moving all over the place. And well, my daughter goes to Hope Chapel in Kihei, Maui, and she told me what you're doing. I think this is wonderful. But most of my life, if I would go to a conference, I was odd man out because everybody's trying to be big and I'm trying to be multiple. And uh, I got involved with exponential. And so now I, what I decided, my first exponential conference, I got hit by three major publishers in one day when I write a book for them. And I'm kind of done with that. It's like your book is two years old by the time it actually gets into print. So it's already obsolete. Uh, they, I, I have one book, the best book I ever wrote. It's got little cookie cutter, fake looking church buildings all over the cover of it. And it's the worst selling book I ever wrote. And I showed it to a guy from Zondervan and he goes, it's the cover that's killing this book. Just boom. That was the first thing he said. I tried to buy the book back. I went to the publisher and said, I'll pay for the whatever it costs for the graphic artists and all you got to do, I'll do anything. And, uh, and, and now they own it and they can keep it alive and sell three copies on Kindle every year. And, I, and the contract doesn't let me get the book back. So I've decided I'm too old to mess with all that. And so um, Exponential publishes eBooks, gives them away for free. Uh, to me, that's a wonderful outlet for me. I'd love to give away a book for free if you're going to give it away for free. And it has to do with making disciples who make disciples and planting churches that plant churches. So I'll, I'll write for those guys till kingdom come. And then if I got some goofy idea, then I write a, a, as a little uh, Kindle book or a you know, paperback book on Amazon. And I make a lot of money actually uh, doing that. So yeah, it's it, publishing is a whole different different world than it used to be. It really is. It really is. And I do need to, because I need that outlet too. I need that writing outlet and, and something to do. And I, I've also gone with legacy publishers and it's been, they've, they've been great people, but it's an old, it's an old model. Yeah. Yeah. There is. And uh, yeah, they're struggling too. The, the Christian uh, publishing gap, they're nothing compared to what they used to be because much like music, it's just a, it's a, the business model's challenged. Yeah. And, and Amazon is challenging it. Uh, you know, every, everybody, uh, you get a 15% royalty from a legacy publisher, you get a 70% royalty from Amazon, where are you going to go? You, you're especially, one of the things that I encourage, I, I wrote two books about this. One is called, um, You Could Write for Amazon. And the other is called, uh, Your Book is Your Business Card. And, you know, I wrote this book, Let Go of the Ring, which which was allowed us to package our ecclesiology and our mission together and our history. And we, we would give it away to people who are new in our church. And it, it, it filtered out the people who didn't want to be with us. And it excited the people who did want to be with us. And if I had to do it all over again, you know, when I was starting out with 12 people, I would write a book. And, I, and if it ever only sold, you know, or gave away 50 copies, that book would shape the future of our church. It would do what Let Go of the Ring has done for us. And so I always encourage church planters, before you launch, 
write a book about your life, your conversion, your personal history, uh, your vision, and, and the theology behind what you're going to do as, as a church, and, and put a lot of pictures in it, because people like to look at pictures, and give it away to everybody who joins your church. And uh, so I wrote a, a book about how to do that, and it's it's benefited a lot of guys, you know, a, a lot of people are, are doing that. And then once they get into that, they discover uh, the beauty of publishing small volume books, you know, that aren't going to sell a whole lot, but they will sell on Amazon. So anyhow, this has been a delightful time. Go ahead, talk. I want to hear about Paul. The Apostle Paul gave away his books, and that went pretty well. They're, they're still being uh, sent. He <laughs> sent out these fantastic pamphlets, and uh, and they're still circulating and shaping lives. So that's uh, that's what you're doing, really, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it's not about money. It's not about fame. It's about uh, I. You know, when I first wrote my first book for the for the legacy publisher that I worked with. A uh, lady asked me if I would mind doing a bunch of radio interviews, and which turned out to be real small stations in the South and all. And, and I go, I'll, I'll be happy. And she, she goes, well, some authors don't want to do that. And I go, well, I'm not an author. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a propagandist. I, I'm out I'm to change the way people think. I'm not out to sell books. I'll do anything you want me to do because I want to, I'm going to be a mind bender. And I think that's what we're supposed to be about. Yeah, absolutely. Ralph, this has been fantastic. Thanks for the generosity of your time here. I hope that, uh, that you can find some useful things here in the, the conversation to, to share with people. And uh, I always share your stuff with other people. So uh, continue to continue to uh, create this, this fantastic uh, artwork that you do on church planting, kingdom expansion, entrepreneurial Christianity, all this stuff. Uh, um, I, I hope you live for another 40 years so you keep doing it. This is fantastic. <laughs> I'm praying to go to 100, so we'll see. Well, I think we're going to wind this down. Uh, if, if people have, you know, want to know more about the things that you said, this is probably going to turn into uh, three episodes of this thing. We've, we had a good talk here. Uh, it's nice catching yeah. up with you. It's been a long time. But um, if, if people want to get a hold of you, how can they connect with you, website, email, whatever? What you do is you go to hashtag dive deep together. That's, we put that hashtag on everything we do. And so you can find pretty much all of our stuff there. And you can just also search for the well at Surf City. We're the only church called that in the universe. So the well at Surf City in Huntington Beach. And uh, you can find us there. A YouTube channel, uh, the well at Surf City. We put out 540, 530 videos during the pandemic. So there's lots of Bible teaching there. And I uh, would love to talk to people about the Alpha Course, about um, uh, how smaller churches can plant churches. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmore.net.